0: everyone. And welcome to the Kajabi Edge podcast, where we talk to real entrepreneurs to give you the online business edge you need to succeed on Kajabi. I'm your host, Jared Lohman, Vice President of Customer Experience. And today I'm joined by Elena Lipson, founder of Word Magic Conversion Copy. How's it going, Elena?
1: So good. You have a great podcast voice. (laughs) really good. (laughs)
0: Great to be here. Thank you. I'll take it. Um it's the best thing I've heard today. Uh, nice. <laughs> well I, I am very interested in hearing more of your podcast voice and learning more of your story. But let's start that off by just giving our listeners kind of their 15 second elevator pitch uh, on who you are and what you do.
1: Yeah. So currently, and I'll say I'll explain why that I say that is currently I am a conversion copywriter and my passion is has, has always been words, regardless of anything I've done and, and sort of there's a through line there in, in, in even for my corporate work. When I was a corporate trainer and creating curriculum, words and messaging and communication have always been like what I'm good at, have always been interested in. I mean, like Scrabble champion, <laughs> anything to do with the words. So now I'm a conversion copywriter for online entrepreneurs who are growing their business online, want to really hone into that aligned messaging, the right words, not just the words that we think we should be using, like that are everywhere, but really the ones that come from your heart and soul. And so my job is to take those words <laughs> and really create something that connects deeply through story storytelling through, you know, conversion practices through considering SEO, but really coming back to the human being and being, being able to say what you do in a way that feels natural versus the thing that we think we have to say when we're
0: business owners. I love, and I love like the little, the caveat slash disclaimer currently, uh, something that (laughs) I don't know if you personally have listened to other episodes, but I'm obviously listening to every single one of them. And it is amazing how common it is for someone to be on here talking about their current venture. And that has no reflection of what their first venture was. It's amazing how, how how so many people don't necessarily end with where they started. So I think that's common. But I'm interested in learning more about, you mentioned corporate training. I always like to kind of just understand the genesis of how you made your way into online entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah, I'll give like the overarching bridge because it's been like a 20-year journey. So when I started the work, my workforce, essentially, I was like in, you know, I did all the jobs in my teens twenties. But when I entered the workforce, it was really in the realm of communication and sales and management. So I started as a corporate trainer with, I had some sales background, So kind of figuring out my way from college to work, I was a salon manager. I did some sales of copiers. Like I did a lot of little things for a year or two here and there trying to kind of like navigate to what it is that I really want to do. My degree was in um, organizational psychology. So I love the combination of figuring out what people do and why, and then how it affects business and turnover and all these kind of things. But the industry continue. continued to change. My interests continued to change. So I landed in this world of loving to teach, which I've always loved to do, but I didn't quite want to do it in the school environment. I always loved the business environment. So I started out as a trainer, a senior trainer for an insurance company, which threw me into the fire because I really had no specific experience, but just like everything else I do, which really serves me well now as an entrepreneur is I will figure it out. I will show up with the right energy, with the willingness to learn with, you know, the skills that I do have. And so that was a great combination of creating curriculum, which I didn't know I was going to be doing that later, being in front of the classroom teaching. Um, And I was so good at it because I just really wanted to figure out how to communicate the best way possible. So I did that first for many years. So I knew that my vision was when I got married and had children, I have a son who's a teenager now. I knew that I didn't want to work in the work environment because schedule, the having to leave the house. And I just knew I wanted to be home and do something that would allow me to be more present, not have to ask for time off, not have to ask someone to like be home if my child, and feeling, well, I really wanted that freedom and I still wanted to make an income. So when I first started my venture in my online world, I just pulled out this business card years ago, this like in 2006, I go, so going way back, I went. I dove into creating an online organic baby store. So I, it's because that's what was in my world. What was not present? It's where I was, it's what I was passionate about. So I started an online store having no knowledge. And this is like before social media. So let's rewind, no Instagram, no Facebook, nothing. So I was like making postcard, and writing articles for magazines and drop shipping and figuring all of that out put me into this place of like real entrepreneurship. Of there's no one coming to save me. There's no one giving me a paycheck. If I make money, it's because I've sold something. So that was like a very quick course. So I did that for three years, and I kind of honestly got burnt out on the drop shipping and figuring it out. It was just a lot to have the physical pieces in my home, right? Like I didn't have a factory. I didn't. I didn't know about Amazon drop shipping. Like if I would have started it now, it would have been a whole different thing. I would have used. Instagram and images and it was just a hustle. Um, but I ended up selling all my inventory. It was like a beautiful transition. And I decided to go back into what I really love to do, which is the training and kind of the coaching and the, the communication piece. And that's when I found B-School back in 2000 and was like 12. And I sort of dove in headfirst into what do I want to do? How do I want to do this? And of course, I had no idea what a landing page was, an opt-in, a launch. Like I had no idea. All I'm watching is like Marie Forleo talking about... <laughs> (laughs) this lifestyle and the laptop and like, I would like a laptop lifestyle. Like I just didn't even know what I didn't know at that point. And so I dove into the curriculum and it was all about finding the right work for you. And I really love this idea of Self care for moms and women, and really understanding your energy. And that's kind of what I was, you know, thinking I was going to do. And so, before I knew what really, I think if I knew what it entailed, you know, 10, I spent like seven to eight years doing that. So, my next sort of eight to 10 years were all about figuring out coaching. And that's what kind of where Kajabi comes into the picture because I knew way back then, and I think Kajabi was in its first iteration, it looked very, very different, but I knew I needed somewhere to host a thing that someone could press a button and buy it. And I ended up having so much many tools of time that when I found Kajabi, it was like another tool that I added to my inventory where I was... My first course was like kick-ass self-care strategies for women entrepreneurs. <laughs> I had it designed. I spent six months creating it. I, I do things very differently now. I kind of sell it before I make it. <laughs> Back then I was making it before I sell it. So a lot of concepts that I learned over the years um, through some of your bigger Kajabi teachers, like James Wedmore, who's one of my you know, earlier mentors. So I spent a lot of time making the course. But when I started with Kajabi, that first round... It actually. I can't remember who who exactly it was. There was two customer service, but I think it was like I want to say it was like even the owners of the company. I can't remember exactly, but they were amazing. And I was like, I'm going to be one of your biggest, (laughs) you know, star clients. And I I found it a little clunky back then. Actually, I didn't. I couldn't quite get it to look the way I wanted it to look. I found the dark like background really. I wanted everything bright and light, and I couldn't quite get it to look the way I wanted it to look. So um, I, I, so I said, "I, I have to leave Kajabi. I have to go find something else and figure it out. And so I did. But lucky. For me, you guys were so amazing. You're like, okay, we totally get it. How about we hold your content for a monthly fee? That was pretty low, and then you know, if you want to come back, at least it's there. And I thought brilliant because I, I actually was really sad about. I had l- uploaded a whole bunch. I had actually a few clients purchase. I didn't want to lose all that, so it was like brilliant. And then I went in to try other things, which iterations and you know, lead pages and other like a ton of things, like piecemeal together, which I made it work. like I made sales and I had clients and I delivered content. and But it was so many pieces. I was spending a lot of money every month. <laughs> and so years later, I can't remember exactly how many years. I have to go back to my records. But then there was like the new Kajabi. <laughs> so it came back out. Perfect timing for when I wanted to start my membership because I had done courses and coaching and VIP days and all these different things. I thought I'm going to combine it all into one thing in this membership um, called the Divine Self-Care Circle. And it was perfect timing. The new Kajabi came out. So I said, let me just see what it looks like inside. And it was amazing. I could get it to look exactly how I wanted it. I could load templates. I could make it nice and bright. I can. I mean, it was, it was literally like the moment I was like, okay. And I became a founding member because I had held on to the account. i was still paying for it maybe like a year or two. And it was totally worth it <laughs> because being a founding member, I got to be sort of first on the list for all the new features. I got to be involved in some of the you know trial beta stuff. I got to know behind the scenes of when things were coming. And of course the pricing, I got to really have this beautiful sort of expanded pricing and and unlimited aspects of my account. Um, So I know that is, I I value that and that's why I still have it and many other reasons. But when it came back as the new Kajabi, it was perfect because for me, aesthetic is really important and I wanted it to look a certain way. And so that's where I had hosted my pod, not my, well, I wasn't hosting my podcast there yet, but I will be for my new podcast that had just come out as I started closing my business last year, which I can talk about too, (laughs) which is why I'm doing copywriting now. So between the aesthetic, the Way I could organize my content, the way I could have my clients in there, the way I can track things. It became like my one thing. And I finally was able to let go of a ton of other tools, which was my big sort of Achilles heel. You know, like I have all these things I'm paying for and I just want simplicity. I don't want to have to, you know, figure all these pieces out and connect them. Even though you can connect a lot of things to Kajabi, I was really wanting simplicity. So I actually hired a VA at the time because it was a lot to transfer my all my course I had at the time was like 66 sacred rituals. So I had 66 moving parts. <laughs> To like load all the audios in, and she had never used it before. But I was paying her to learn it, and she actually came into the university courses that you guys offer, and within like thirty to forty-five days, she had figured it out, loaded everything up, it was amazing. So that was my transition into back into the new Kajabi, and I had been there ever since. My billing through there, my tracking, my like, it's still there. All my stuff is still in there. So that that's kind of the overarching you know story of where I am, and then last year as the economy was being a little wonky and I was kind of coming into a new phase of my own life, I just really wanted to get into something different, a different aspect of what I'd been doing. Even though part of, even though I was a self-care coach, I still always offered a VIP option, always did business coaching and strategy and writing and messaging. So I still really love to do that. I thought, what if I just did that? (laughs) I just, because when I started teaching self-care, I was one of the first people sort of talking about, you know, self-care practices and strategies for business women. And now there's a ton of amazing women talking about it. So I felt like I sort of could hand over the torch and not have to, you know, be the the lone person talking about that because there's so many amazing women teaching between yoga and meditation and diet and all of it. So I took some time to reflect and still kept working sort of on the side with some clients. And then I just thought I'm going to dive in head first. And, I closed everything down and opened. It took me about six months to make the transition fully to close everything because you know seven years of a membership, so a lot of relationships, and a lot of. Uh, like, it took me a while to really let it go, and it's part of you know they really understood because most of the women, I would say ninety five percent of the women in my membership are entrepreneurs. So I started having that conversation with them and saying like I really feel like it's time for a pivot. Um, I don't want it to be. Fat. I just want to, don't want to rip the bandaid off. I want to be thoughtful about it. So I'm just letting you know that likely in the next few months, this is going to come to a down, you know, wind down. And here's how we can stay connected. I have this podcast. And so it was a very emotional business decision, but it was the right one because it was really time to just bring some new energy into my life into my business. And I honestly, like the income had plateaued a little bit. I just wasn't selling it the same way as I had been. I wasn't as passionate about it. (laughs) I just, I didn't, I, I kind of felt myself sort of retreating from the topic in general, not the people, the people I loved, so it was just like a solid business decision that was also very emotional. And when I started again, I just decided I'm going to go get certified as a copyright. I'm going to do it the right way. I'm going to really hone my skills because I, I love to write. I'm a great writer, but being a great writer is not the same thing. Like You can inspire, but you have to activate people into action. Those are two different things. So I just knew I was going to hone that craft and I have been. And as soon as I literally announced it, and this is where I think it's really important for everyone listening, this is what I tell my clients now and, and people who come to they're like, I see you made this change. How'd you do it? I want to know because you seem so successful in like 10 years, overnight success. So that that's how it happened. Because as soon as I announced I was a copywriter, I had clients. I literally had a wait list within a quarter. And the reason I say that is important is because the last eight to 10 years that I spent online creating speaking, interviewing, being interviewed, podcasts, I mean, hosting retreats. I had built so many relationships over time that when I pivoted into something that was really aligned for me, not just that was trendy or someone else was doing it, but something that was aligned for me, the people who had seen me in this other role thought, oh yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Like, that's great. I want to hire you. So I had past coaches, past clients come to me and say, this is perfect. I love that you're doing this. I want in. And so I was able to fill up my business really quickly. And now I'm strategizing like, okay, how do I do this without working 60 hours a week? So I'm kind of in the next growth scale, but it happened quickly, but really it happened over a long time. So I would say when you're starting something new, don't discount the past. Like, I think... I see a lot of teachers becoming copywriters. I see people who are in completely different industries coming into whatever it is they're coming into. But those same people still know you and maybe respect you and see the work you did there. It could really help you with this new, whatever new thing you're doing. If it is new, maybe it's something you did before. And so it's you know it's been a really interesting journey. And I decided to keep Kajabi because one is I can create custom offers in there. So I can really customize. Um, I created new branding and I can upload all that in there. Process payments through there. um, And I am bringing a podcast back, which I will host through Kajabi. And I want to, you know, I know that in the next like one to two years, I'll be adding. Some like maybe templates and courses, maybe a group coaching again. So I already know that that's where everything is going to live. So I'm just kind of you know seeing. So it's worth the investment to keep it, even though I'm very I'm using it very minimally right now. I know that once I have my strategy moving forward, I'm going to go right back in, and I know how to create everything in there or hire someone to create it. There's amazing Kajabi support now because it's been around for a while. So.
0: I love the the constant reinvention um, of yourself, your work. I want to you mentioned something earlier that I would love to zone in on because we always talk about some of the challenges. um, And I imagine that you probably have a list a mile long of challenges that you faced over the course of the last decade. But one in particular, you mentioned um, you previously would create before you sell. Now you sell before you create. I want to know everything there is to know about about that. And I assume our listeners will be really interested in that too. Okay.
1: So the first course I created, which was in Kajabi, was that kick out self-care strategies for women entrepreneurs or women in business. I can't remember. I still have it. Um, I got honed in on that's what I want to do. And I just started doing what I did in my job as a you know trainer, which is create the curriculum. But it's different because when you're in the corporate world, the audience is there. Like You know, whatever time you spent creating it, they're going to be there. Not the same <laughs> entrepreneurs. So it sounded like a good idea amazing to me. I hired a designer to design the course curriculum. It was beautiful. I hired an editor. I created the content. I recorded uh, audios. I mean, I had a daily routine. I was like meditating, creating, writing audio, like for literally for six months. And I had lo- launched it with the Jeff Walker launch formula. So three videos, which I did recorded, like I had crates. I like, I had no lighting yet. Like it was all just, I had my living room and my dining room. My it was just crazy. But I did it. And and I spent a lot of time doing the whole thing. So about 6 to 7 months for the whole thing, I launched it and I had 2 people buy. The ROI was not great. However, I... When that first person purchased, and they both became future clients, so ongoing, but I made... I think I priced it at maybe it was 697 So I made like $1,500. Even though I'd spent probably way more <laughs> creating it, I wasn't even me- measuring my time or anything like what's my hourly rate. I didn't know any of that. And I was just creating and I felt good to be creating. And I thought if one person can buy, 20 people can buy. And I did this, the perfect rookie mistake, which I learned later, which is this works, I should create something else. And I did instead of iterating it over and over and over and over again, <laughs> I created something new. So now I, my, my energy was split into the 21 days of self-care and the self-care strategy, six month course. like So I started splitting and that kind of continued over time. So I learned a huge lesson that I didn't quite solidify or crystallize until I had started working with James Wedmore years later as one of the first, beta group for his business by design program. And, you know, host everything in Kajabi. And so I go in there all the time, but I remember him saying that he's like, you know, sell it before you make it. I was like, hold on. <laughs> like Let's talk about this because I've been doing it completely opposite the whole time. And so sell it before you make it. Now the way I see it now is it's a proof of concept. It's like even a massive company that creates something, they're going to test the market. They're going to bring in people, try this little product first before they put in money into, you know, many, manufacturing it. And so it really hit that I thought then, so from then on, when I had a new idea, I would sketch it out. I would create an outline. I would understand the benefits and the value and the pricing, all of it. I would understand it and have a clear deliverable of what it's going to be, but I wouldn't create it. I would go online And I would either go live on Facebook or email my audience or wherever it was. I think Twitter, uh, Instagram wasn't even around yet. It was like Facebook. And I would say, I am so excited if I was. (laughs) I generally, genuinely was. And so I launched several programs that way. I launched something called the virtual retreat academy, which I ran for several years during that time, where all I did was like pre launch it, (laughs) pre sell it. And I think I made like, I thought I was going to just maybe enroll like 10 or 12 people, but I had such a huge response to it because people wanted to know how to host virtual retreats this is pre-pandemic and I think I made like five or 6,000 in that very first weekend and then I was being paid to create it so it was like a whole different feeling like oh people want this and then I had a really like great intro price and the first time I hosted it for the first session which I was recording as I was going with the groups they were like oh my gosh I would pay three times as much for this this is great the content is awesome so I had was validated like my idea was validated and I ran that for many years and eventually I did make it evergreen but the, the first time I sold it I I didn't spend six months creating something that I didn't know people wanted. So it's a whole different thing. Um, so even now, when I started copywriting, I kind of tested the idea of, you know, can I get a client? Like, would you hire me? What would this look like? And I got a lot of positive feedback to start, but it's it's different because I'm not creating content in the same way anymore. It's like a done for you service. Um, so it's a little bit of a different leap of faith, but in terms of creating, it was such a mindset, just paradigm shift to think that you spend enough time to understand what you're offering and the huge benefits if there are, which sometimes you create something and it doesn't. Like I've created things that didn't really go anywhere. That's okay too. But I didn't waste time. Well, I I wouldn't even, even... Even that first one wasn't really a waste of time because I really understood the effort that I had put into something that didn't quite hit I thought I was going to have at least twenty five people join the first time, but two was good. (laughs) Like it proved something, but not quite enough. But then I see, I see even like the the next mistakes that I made that I don't do anymore. Now, if I do something, I'm like, this is going to take a while. I have to keep refining. I have to keep iterating. I can't just you know one and done is not enough. You have to keep refining something and growing it and and making it better based on the feedback. So it was a lot of lessons and still, I'm still learning a lot of lessons.
0: Yeah. I love how it sounds like you, some of your audience actually carried over between products and services that you are offering. I'm interested in also just kind of zoning in on with all of the reinvention happening, like the difference between, you know, coach to copywriting services, or even, you know, baby related (laughs) services. Uh, prior to that, like, I imagine that there was at least a phase to where you had to rebuild some of that audience. Can you talk a little bit about like how you kind of just established that new audience to begin to promote your new offerings too, as you transitioned?
1: Yes. I think the baby audience was very different. I don't even really imagine I was thinking a lot about email lists at the time. It was more just... I was doing all the things. <laughs> it's like, you know, doing inventory, doing the financials, doing the images, posting them. I don't think I was thinking in that big way yet. I was just trying to build everything. In the coaching piece, that was definitely about audience building and building an email list and having an opt-in and learning what all that is and speaking to my audience directly. But but I mean, I'm just, all the skills I learned in building the baby thing <laughs> was... I can figure it out. Like I can figure anything out. No big deal. Like I got it. It might take time, but I'm gonna figure it out. So that confidence building was great. The seeing money come in when I was doing something else that was a great feeling because people could buy online. You know, I could be out like traveling, or I could be with my my son, and poof, there's an order. Even though I knew I had to go back and fulfill that order, it was still a great feeling because up until then I had been an employee where you show up, you get paid. You don't show up, you don't get paid, and that that was, that was a great intro into what it could be. But with the coaching and building the audience, that was a a great lesson in communication because just. I think something is good doesn't mean that my audience is going to necessarily resonate with it. So I approached the email list and building, you know, all the things I created I would ask my email list, like, is this what you want? Here's what I'm creating. What do you think? Like, I've, so I've made a conversational. I did surveys quite a bit, coaching people who well, I guess I can tie it into to the email list building now. I will say, <laughs> sadly, I haven't quite gotten my opt-in yet or my email list. I've been so busy with clients that I've kind of put that project into Q4 of this year or Q1 of next year, because I, I, I which makes me feel a little bit strange because I'm promoting the value of writing emails to your audience and having a nurture list, where I haven't quite gotten to mine, um, but I'm doing it mindfully. I'm not just ignoring it. I'm I'm kind of thinking about it in the background and how do I want to approach it. But the skill set of everything I did in the last, you know, in the self care coaching business is translating to what I do now because I have a deep understanding of I'm actually working with clients like who I was over the last, you know, decade. I know how important it is to have that email list. I know how important it is to communicate what you do really well. I know how important it is to stand out, and those are all the. Things Things I was trying to do myself that now I can support others in doing. And the coaching skills actually serve me really, really well right now. I have a very clear connection to when I'm speaking with someone who's launching, creating a masterclass, putting emails, sales emails together. I know all those things. So I've been doing it for a long time myself. So I'm actually approaching it from really like behind the scenes. So I also strategize and coach my clients and create, you know, the done for you service for them. So and I tell them that up front like, look, I'm not, I'm not just a I'm a, copywriter. I'm a copywriter who's been a coach, who's been launching, who's been creating courses, <laughs> who's been emailing an audience for a long time. So I know what that, you know, that essence of what we're trying to create here. So nothing wasted at all. Um, I feel like everything I've done, including creating curriculum as a corporate trainer, that even serves me well too, because I know how to be in front of an audience. I know how to communicate. I, I can see like when I'm teaching via Zoom or when no, I was teaching via Zoom, which I'm sure I'll do again in some format. It just, I feel like it's all within in me. Like I have this box of tools and experience that I can bring to whatever this is going to look like two years from now, three years from now. Like I already know my personality. I know I like to iterate. I know I like to shift, but and nothing, you know, nothing that I had done in the past has really sort of gone away. It's still part of me. I can pull on examples. I can pull on anecdotes. I can pull on what it feels like to try to launch and hear like, burr, burr, burr. Crickets, like nothing's happening. I know what it feels like to nail it. I know what it feels like to have a great financial month. I know what it feels like to have a flat financial month so I can really connect with my clients now Um, and since they've been following my journey even my old coaches who now hire me to write their copy um, that feels very validating like oh okay so you really you know you see what I did then it was successful in its own way and now I'm doing this thing and you trust me enough to show up in a good way so that was really I think that was the biggest compliment is having past coaches my coaches (laughs) hire me to do their their copy has been great
0: yeah and and I also just want to point out the fact that's a, that's probably an inspiring factor for someone who uh, is listening to this, who hasn't started anything to know that you're successfully navigating this new world without even necessarily having an enormous audience or, you know, email list, if you will, built up yet. Um, just being strategic about that. And the other point I wanted to make, uh, which I heard earlier, is you mentioned that, you know, the the first laundry ad where you had two people sign up. I've sat on just even this week, I've been on podcasts uh, with people who have went with these extravagant launches all to have no one show up. So mm-hmm. the learnings that come from those uh, those moments are are probably some of the probably some of the most powerful tools for you as you navigate the change in your business. I, I do like how you're kind of almost in this once again, this stage of like starting fresh and restarting. So like as you think about this from the fresh approach, what are some of like the crucial elements to you know anyone who's listening who is thinking about getting started that they should be taking into consideration? Consideration.
1: Yeah, it really feels like I'm starting a whole new thing. I'm only like seven months into my copywriting business. And so I, I, it's very fresh, that feeling of putting out my, you know, business card online. I'm like, this is what I'm doing and whatever, regardless of whatever I was doing, even if I decided to do something totally different, like regardless of what it is, you decide to do that feeling of, is anyone going to come? Is it like, I know that really, really well, I'm in it right now. And I would say the first thing I did was I knew I had good tools. So I knew, you know, like, Kajabi, of course. And I know I, I knew I've been, I've done so many things that I kind of remember what it feels like to feel like a yes. Okay, this feels good. Let's move forward. We're like, wait, this does not quite feel right. Let me ask for support. So that's the second thing is asking for support. There's a lot of great coaches and teachers and people who've been there and done that who can help. And I'm first to say, I'm not the best at asking for support, but I've learned to ask for support. And so I knew right away that I, like I said, I wanted to get certified because, you know, I was certified as a coach very long ago, like, 20 years ago. And, and no one has ever once in those that time ever asked me if I'm certified. Never. But I knew that with this new skill, I just wanted... Like I wanted a mentor and a group of people who were going to help me move forward. So that was the, the first thing I did besides deciding. I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna actually find a mentor who I know I can ask questions because I just like felt like I was swimming in the new ocean. Like, this is what I'm doing now. I don't know which direction to go, what kind of boat to build. Like, where am I going? Um, so it's been really powerful having someone that I can say, I'm about to submit this proposal. Here's the pricing. What do you think? And have that feedback from someone who's been doing it for, I think, eight or nine years and really successful and kind of a vision. Of where I want to be in some format, even though I have my own vision of where I want to go. I think one of the first things to do is just to have that beginner mind. Know you know that some things are gonna work, some things aren't gonna work. And the interesting thing is there's you know a million possibilities. So it can be a little overwhelming, but there's also a lot of possibilities. <laughs> so like if Facebook feels great, do Facebook. If Instagram feels good, do Instagram. If there's so many tools now that I think sort of like one at a time, you know, like do less but better one at a time has been a real lesson for me. Like I can do all the things. I can do copy templates. I could do coaching. I could do VIP days. Like There's so many things, but I've learned to just kind of still my mind, focus on what's in front of me, do that really well before moving on to the next thing. And that's something that um, James Wedmore talks about too quite a bit is when you're building a bridge, don't let the the shininess of the new bridge, that feeling of starting something new, which is exciting. Don't let the monotony and the challenges of the first bridge lead you to starting the next bridge. Because now you have a bridge that's not being built. You're trying to do something else. So that's why I'm saying like podcasts next year, group coaching next year. I already know. Like if I start all the things at once, all those bridges, I'm just going to have six unfinished bridges and that's not going to feel good. So the first thing to do is like, just allow yourself to focus on one thing until you get it to a certain point, whatever your vision is, get it to like that island, like build the bridge, get it to the other side. And then if you want to hand it off or hire some help, and then you can, or you don't, you don't have to bring them. You can just do the one thing. You can teach ukulele for 10 years I don't know like you can do that one thing so that that's the biggest thing I would say for anyone starting something new is try not to be distracted by the possibilities be inspired by the possibilities but then focus at least for I know we're also like want things really quickly but I would say give yourself a year to 18 months to really focus on that one thing ask for support so many free resources I mean the other month someone asked me how do you, how do you sell on Instagram I was like I I mean, that's a great question. How do you sell on Instagram? It sounds like a simple question. It's actually not a simple question. It's it's a very complex question. You just start. You try one thing and do it for long enough to see if it works, you know, and do the other thing. I mean, so like focus on one thing um and ask for support, I think has been my sort of my mantra. Like I don't have to do this alone. I can ask for support. I can reach out to other copywriters or whoever's, you know, if someone's doing something you want to do. If I was asked right now, like, I want to start this thing, what should I do? I would say, Great. First See what else is out there. Like, does it excite you? Does it feel good? Is this is the thing you'd be doing for the next five years? Does that feel good? And even five years might be a long time for the way people iterate and change things now. But really, I mean, I can not see myself doing copywriting for the next five plus years. I don't know exactly how it's going to look. It might look a little different. But the, I did ask myself all those questions. Like, I don't want to pivot again in two years. So I took, you know, I took six months, six or seven months to really like imagine, think about it, see what other copywriters are doing, listen to their podcasts. I interested in this? Do I want to listen to podcasts about this? Because I listen to copywriting podcasts every day. If you don't want to listen to those podcasts, if you don't want to watch those YouTube videos, if you don't care to learn more about it, that's a huge sign, right? Find something that you can learn about endlessly because you're going to become the expert in that thing. And you're going to talk about it endlessly. Just like I talked about self-care for a very long time and I was passionate about it. And then sort of that energy wrapped up, but it took a while. Um, so whatever it is you're starting, make sure it's something that you can, I mean, dream about, write about, think about, talk about, listen about. It's. I really think that's what it takes to have that longer
0: term success. Yeah, I love that. Stay focused and ask for support. Those are such crucial elements that a lot of people probably miss, especially on that, that ask for support. I I, I don't know what it is, but as humans, for some reason, we don't, we're not natural. We don't naturally gravitate towards reaching out for help. But it's amazing the willingness out there of people to contribute to others who are going going on that same journey. I don't think that of all of the times in my life, no matter what area we're talking about if I've asked for help in an area, like people are generally more than willing. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. Just imagine yourself and someone comes to you and asks you for help. It feels so validating and so just like, oh, that felt nice to help someone. It it really is in reverse the same gift. I was just talking about it this morning actually in my coaching group and the copywriting group and that was one of my sort of Achilles heels is I have this... I have to sort of remind myself to ask for help. It doesn't mean that I don't know. It doesn't mean that I'm, you know, weak. It doesn't mean that I am like anything other than just asking for help. Like, I don't know this. Help me figure it out. I'm just not that great at it naturally, but I'm getting better and i think when i do ask it's it's like a oh wow you're right i never thought of it that way and so i i do have to kind of build that muscle more i will say as an entrepreneur asking for support is huge and i think especially when you're starting something new you know ask people who are doing it what would they do differently what do they love about it what's the challenge about it like so you can really get into the meat of it because then you're going into it with your eyes wide open realistically knowing that it's going to take time like you know it took me seven years to get into multiple six figures with my coaching. And I'm going to do that in my first year with copywriting. So, but I've worked through a lot of things. I've worked through money stuff. I've worked through systems. I've worked through my own practices. I've worked through all kinds of things. So again, nothing lost nothing, you know, nothing, nothing went to waste in terms of what I was doing. Um, but it's yeah, ask for help.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to do just that in real time here by asking our listeners for some help, uh, in the podcasting world. We absolutely love to have the opportunity to connect with our listeners. Uh, leave us a comment in your review on over on Apple podcasts. Uh, we, we you know, we are kind of, we're talking to each other here, Elena and I, but we don't really get that full feel of who you are. So we love it when you leave us a comment in the reviews that you leave us, it really helps us understand and get a perspective of your feelings on the content that we have. But back to you, Elena, you have successfully navigated from corporate trainer to multi successful online business owner um, over the last decade. Uh, Can you tell us, I I don't know if you can even synthesize this into one one thing, but what has changed for you as a result of stepping out of the corporate world and moving in uh, to this online business entrepreneurship?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I didn't actually I did not hate corporate world actually really enjoyed what I was doing. I love my team. The one thing I didn't like was that just having to be somewhere at a certain time, was like the biggest thing and then asking for time off and just a lack of freedom, essentially, like one week to two weeks off a year was quite limiting for me. So I wanted to be able to be more flexible. So I think the thing that I I think back like self-trust just knowing that I can figure things out knowing that it's really limitless the possibilities of what I can create are limitless and I get to decide which can be overwhelming but also empowering like really you know the past is there for me to pull from like a library like we just talked about in my course this morning and then the future is this creative workshop where I don't know what's going to happen it's unknown but if I can stay present and really create from possibility I think it's you know there's so many people who can so many people who are doing incredible things there's a plethora of choices when you start a business and it can be overwhelming it could be empowering you know either one you get to choose but i think it's um it can be fun too it can be really fun it could be like a learning experience but i would say one of the things that i hear i will say this though when i lead from corporate to um entrepreneurship we did it with a we had just sold a house that had some cushions so i wasn't doing it from a place of panic financially i will say if, if someone's coming to me today and I was a coach and someone's said, I want to do this. And they're making money, but leaping into entrepreneurship with zero. I would say, hold on to your job. <laughs> Just hold on to your job for a little bit longer. If, if that's the right scenario, like everyone's going to have a different scenario, but there's nothing wrong with having an income to meet your family's needs or your own needs while you're brainstorming, while you're creating, because the constriction of the panic for some people would actually activate their creativity. I'm not one of those people. Like I need to know that the basics are taken care of and then I can be creative. So when I left my business behind, I actually still had things that were making me money in the background. I was still supporting another coach with some customer service things. I was still doing some launch support. Like I was still doing things that were making me the that I knew I wanted to make until I fully closed the coaching business. And then I started making my... It was a leap because I literally went from zero, right? Copywriting. Um, but I knew I had cushion. So for me, from my personality, from my nervous system, <laughs> I knew I needed to have that cushion, but that's not the same for everyone. So I, I don't think you have to be this like black or white, choose A or B right away. I think there could be a middle, you know, where someone could have the basics taken care of. And there's nothing wrong with having some income while you're creating something else. It could be very smart and strategic um, as you're building. So I know that wasn't like a one clear (laughs) crystallized answer. um, But I think that's, that's kind of my, my takeaway from transitioning from starting something new way back then to, to now as well.
0: I love it. I love it. Well, tell us a little bit more. I know this is still fresh, but uh, just give us a little bit of perspective on what's next, anything that our listeners should be aware of if they're interested in hearing more about your copywriting work? Yeah, I love working with
1: clients who are launching. I love doing sales emails, welcome, nurture emails. Again, I even though I'm not, I don't have like weekly emails going out right now, I believe in the power of them. So I will be creating mine pretty, sh- pretty shortly here. I love working with people who are in the transformational coaching world. It's kind of the language I really understand. Although I do have, I've had, I've worked with therapists, I've worked with um, firefighter companies. So I have these like kind of random, you know, referrals that I've gotten which I can actually have a lot of fun with because it's so out of the norm of you know the world that I live in so I love sort of that as well but emails sales pages options so the typical assets that you need for launching and building a business mostly I love to make sure that you can say what you do in a way that feels really good to you so that's where we start with the messaging we start with making sure you can communicate your value and your benefits and then from there we can start creating some of the assets so I'm available for you know most of the online assets that, that you create. And I do love working one-on-one with clients right now. It's all done for you services right now. So I do have a wait list. I do have availability for calls. Um, and I believe it has to be a fit for both. So if I'm excited to work with you and your, your what you do, then I, if I can get behind it and really... Because there's like a little bit of alchemy that goes into it, right? I have to be able to get into your... Not just your mind, but your client's mind and really understand them. So it's a lot of like connection. And I, there have been times where it hasn't been a good fit. And I'm really honest and I can refer them to someone else. Else. Um, so, but I do, I like to even offer value in that initial session because if it, if we are both excited, then it's an easy yes. And then we move forward. If not, then I just let them know and, and move on to someone else. But I love having conversations. So that's a great place to start if you're interested in any copywriting and wondering if it's right for you. And I know for me, I was like, this is my baby. I want to write all my stuff, <laughs> but now my copyright, I'm like, you don't have to do all the things. You can have someone support you <laughs> in doing these pieces. And you can just focus on what you do and working with your clients and I take care of the rest.
0: Very nice. Well, what's the best way for them to find you if they're interested in getting a hold of you?
1: Right now it's Instagram, Elena underscore Lipson. And there will be a website coming at the end of the year and (laughs) emails and you can still get on my email list. I do connect just, you know, not super, super regularly right now, but I do email. Um, I do respond to all my emails and Instagram DMs are great because I can have a conversation in there as well.
0: Exciting stuff. Well, We'll have that in the show notes for you for anyone interested. Elena, thank you again for taking the time to share with us. What an incredible online entrepreneurship, online business journey.
1: Thank you, Jared. I had a great time talking with you and sort of going back into the library of my memories and pulling some stuff out. So thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: Yes. Well, that's all we have for you this week. We will look forward to seeing you next week on the Kajabi Edge podcast.